It's the Fun to Know podcast with Dan Buskirk. On today's show, cellist and composer Tamika Reed. I love the cello because it is super versatile. You, actually, I like to think of my comping, especially as like a percussion. Like I like to be a part of creating like this percolating under the rhythm. Of stuff. Yeah, I really like. I really love that a lot. And yet, when you when you when you do you know play with the bow, you you, you do have such a gift with melody that it... I just think that's the <laughs> the beauty of the cello because it is just so versatile. You can you know really do what you want with it. Welcome back to the Fun to Know podcast. I'm Dan Buskirk, and here we talk to artists, writers, and musicians about their lives and work. You can find the Fun to Know podcast through SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, leave comments for us there, or email us at Podcast, always with the numeral two, at gmail.com. We love feedback, and you could help out the show by leaving a review at our iTunes page. Thanks for checking back after the show's short hiatus. We've been preparing to teach a class in jazz appreciation at the Princeton Adult School, and it has been a time-consuming job to devise a syllabus, but we're looking to get back on a regular schedule in late February. Meanwhile, it's been pleasing to see that back episodes are still being downloaded, and there are now 23 Fun to Know episodes to explore. We're also pleased that we have an updated logo for the show, thanks to Rachel Urbanowitz for her graphic mastery. On Wednesday, February 24th, I'll be making the scene in my film critic mode at the Philadelphia Museum of Art with The Secret Cinema as part of the museum's Pop Goes the Museum exhibit. I'll be introducing the swinging London feature from 1968, The Touchables. The film was written by Donald Camel, co-director of the cult classic performance, and is the only film directed by the Beatles' longtime photographer Robert Freeman. I'll be introducing the film and leading a post-screening discussion, and it'll be a free event with Wednesday's pay-what-you-wish admission, and I'd love to see you there. We caught our guest today, composer and cellist Tamika Reed, in the midst of a career moment. She arrived in New York City from Chicago on January 1st, 2016, to join her quartet for their New York City debut, just two days after Ben Ratliff described Reed in the New York Times as a new jazz power source. Over the next two weeks, she played with a dizzying number of the East Coast established and up-and-coming talent in gigs and jam sessions in D.C., Philadelphia, and Connecticut. In the middle of all this activity, we convinced Ms. Reed to take the train down from New York to join us in the studios of WPRB, where I host a weekly jazz show. Over the course of the conversation, we talk about the three albums she has released in 2015, her love of Chicago, her experiences as part of the legendary AACM collective of musical improvisers, teaching and touring, the importance of women mentors, the differences between classical and jazz worlds, and more. You'll also hear me at peak enthusiasm for the chance to speak with a musician whose work I was right in the midst of a music lover's habit of compulsive playing and replaying. They're such fresh and engaging releases that reward savoring. So we'll head into the conversation now, enter an excerpt from Tamika Reed's quartet's self-titled debut from the Thirsty Ear label.
from Tamika Reed's debut with her quartet there. That's Etoile from the record. It came out, I guess, back in the, the summer on Thirsty Ear and has really gathered speed. It's, it's uh, got a great review from uh, Kevin Whitehead on Fresh Air. Uh, and my guest here today in the studio is Tamika Reed. She uh, was uh, the Chicago Person of the Year in jazz this year. Yeah. <laughs> and also an, 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 a real rave review from Ben Ratliff in the New York Times calling a, a, a fresh energy source in jazz. And uh, if you've been listening to jazz music for the last year, if you've been listening to the show for the last year, uh, you certainly probably get the same feeling. We've heard a lot of Tamika's music this year. Things have really seemed to come together, and uh, we've been blessed with a lot of her music. She plays uh, not only on uh, the debut out on Thirsty Ear, but she also plays on the album Artifacts with Mike Reed, the percussionist, and uh, the great Nicole Mitchell on the flute. They do uh, covers of all artists who came out of Chicago's AACM Collective, and uh, it's, it's a gorgeous record. She also played with Roscoe Mitchell doing a, a tribute to the great Fred Anderson of the Velvet Lounge fame and the, and the great saxophone player who was a mentor to many. So we've, we've had a lot of chances to listen to Tamika Reed this year and we love the music so much it's it's uh, particular to delight to have the people who uh, who make it happen for us so good morning tamika good morning thanks for having me you know i shouldn't be surprised but you seemed a little shy listening to your own music as we listened <laughs> to your song coming in um it's it's uh, been such a uh, well-received record uh, it's fu it's funny to imagine because uh, i'm i feel like i'm you know drawn toward the music but your connection with it's uh, so close have you listened back to the record much uh, since you made it um i haven't listened to it recently but um yeah definitely during the summer and the time leading up to the release sure yeah mm -hmm. and uh you uh, are well seasoned to uh be taking the lead uh, you've been playing in chicago in in, in the uh, the musical scene there since around 2000 haven't you yeah, I guess, yeah, I, well, I moved to Chicago in 2000, and I was playing in some groups with Nicole Mitchell, but I think it was more, I would say about, like, 05, when I was really like, okay, I think I want to go in this direction uh, more, so, yeah. You uh, brought a lot of experience with you by the time you got to Chicago. You you really were are well-trained in, in classical uh yeah. In classical music. Yeah, I went to the University of Maryland, College Park, uh, got my undergrad there, and then I moved to Chicago to go to DePaul and get my master's in classical cello. <laughs> um, um, you grew up in, in the uh, the D.C. area? Yeah, yeah. And uh, was there a lot of music around your house? Were you born into a family of music? Not at all. <laughs> um, my mom actually uh, is a really great visual artist. Um, but no, no one played. My sister didn't play. My mom didn't play. Or, and I, none of my relatives that I know of um, that were around me, my immediate family, no one played. What, what were the, uh, what was the music that you first remember sort of uh, well, as a child? Definitely my mom was a big uh, Ashford and Simpsons fan. Uh, I remember we had this life-sized poster, cut-out poster of them. Solid as a Rock was yes, a big hit. Yes, and then she was totally into Solid Gold. That was like her show. <laughs> you did not bother her during Solid Gold. She had her Mars bars or her Twizzlers or whatever, and you just like... Solid Gold was a, a syndicated show that was... Was it a dance competition, or what, what exactly all went I on there? I just remember famous singers would go on Yeah, yeah. I don't know, and there would be dancers. Or something. It was showbiz. Yeah. yeah. Definitely showbiz. Yeah. Uh, did you want to be on Solid Gold at the time? Not particularly, but I really enjoyed, I remember really liking singing, and I remember 
wanting to be a musician, I guess. I didn't know that's what, I, what it was, but I was like, oh, that seems fun. I don't know if I particularly wanted to be on that show, but I remember like really enjoying singing and always asking my mom for a piano. And she was like, what? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> when, when did you finally get an instrument into your hands? Um, well, let's see. I think I did beg for a piano so much that my mom got me this Casio keyboard that you could play like only one key at a time, so it was kind of frustrating. Yeah, there were no harmonies. It was yeah, all, yeah. Yeah, and then it didn't even write the notes. It was like numbers, so for a long time I was just like, I'm playing three. I'm playing, you know, I didn't know <laughs> anything. So then um, I had uh, the church we were we went to, there was someone that pl- taught piano there, and I remember them giving free lessons to me and my sister, and I really took to it. I really liked it. We didn't do it for very long, but I remember really liking piano and really wanting to play piano actually um that's really the composer's instrument too yeah yeah. and then i would say i think it's the fourth grade my mom transferred me into this french immersion school and um that was the first year that they offered instrumental music and so i remember me and a friend of mine we were like we don't want to be like the other girls that are playing flute and violin so we picked this big instrument i didn't know what it sounded like what it was about at all and (laughs) it was the cello so what, what was the French immersion school like? Yeah. Are you fluent in French today? Pretty much. I mean, I still remember a lot. When I'm there, it comes a lot. And I still practice. Like, I love Duolingo. Uh, I'd like to, you know, practice with that still. But um, most of the kids that started in that program, they started when they were in, like, kindergarten. But I started in fourth grade, so it was kind of intense. I had to, like, really kind of catch up because we did, like, math, science, social studies, everything in French. Yeah, it's really like the immigrant experience It totally was. So it was, like, on the flip side. So I was just like, no one could talk to me in English because you would get detention. And (laughs) so I I think I really found a lot of comfort in music class because we could speak English there. And so it was just just fun, and I liked the idea, like, I – we, we used to move every year, so every year I changed schools. And so um, I, I think I liked the group aspect or just, I don't know, you just had friends because everyone... Yeah. Why, why were you moving so much? Just, you know, it's how, how it is for some folks, some yeah, parents. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we just moved a bunch. So um, I think I just liked the the orchestra setting. I mean, I didn't really realize that's what it was, but I liked the group setting of playing with others. And mm-hmm. so... Um, so yeah, I just really took to to music. And uh, you, so uh, you played the cello mm-hmm. in the French immersion. How many years was that? Um, that was fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, and then I continued in junior high school. Just kept playing, and just mostly just in in the public school program. And I think about tenth grade, I um, I started taking lessons. Like I got a job and pay for my loan. Was it all classical? Yeah, just all classical. I, I, I read uh, online, I was looking at a, a, a blog, a point of departure, and uh, you said when you were in elementary school, you were a big Elvis Costello and The Cure fan. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> where did you find that music? Well, I think my mom went through this phase where we just, we, we were <laughs> listening to a lot of R&B, and then, I don't know, she was like, I don't. there was a station, uh, what was it, WHPK that we listened to, and it's like kind of like, prog- I guess it was called progressive rock at the time. And I don't know, it was like that was the only music that was kind of played in the house. Um, so then I just, I really liked music, so I would just listen to that and just figure out things I liked from that. And I think also my sister is about six years older than me, so she was probably listening to The Cure and The Smiths and The Pretenders and stuff like that. So that was the stuff I kind of really grew up listening to, <laughs> which is kind of probably weird. But um, 
Oh, well, I mean, you have, you're, you're very flexible as a musician, you know, that you really have, have seen to put together a, a lot of pieces of a lot of different kinds of music here. Uh, yeah. My mom also, I guess as I got into high school, she started listening to also like WPFW, and they would play some like, some. we also listened to classical music around the house. She did play classical music, but she also started listening to like more minimalist or more avant-garde type classical music. So sometimes when I when I think about the type of music I play now, I'm like, why do I play like making these sounds? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, maybe that's that was in my ear as well. What, what sort of visual art did she do? Um, she did. She, she's really good at pointillism. So she would just, I would love to watch her actually draw when I was a kid, even though I think it bothered her. She'd be like, go away. But she just would, she just had a steady hand and she would just, I don't know, draw pictures of anything shoes people whatever but doing i think it's called pointillism and oh, then wow. she was really into like motherwell and like just doing like abstract painting stuff like that are those paintings still around somewhere i ask her i don't know where they are yeah she but she still does some some drawing too but but i mean that artist aesthetic i mean even though you're in different mediums i can imagine those things sort of bleeding over yeah, I mean, for sure, I, I, you know, just growing up in the D.C. area and having access to all those free museums, like, she definitely dragged us to those museums, like, every month. I'm really grateful. I mean, at the time, you're like, oh, my gosh, like, what is this, you know, art that we're seeing? But um, definitely gave me an appreciation, a strong appreciation for that. And, yeah, I'm super grateful for that. So you said you you, you uh, chose the cello with, without hearing it. What, what was it uh, like when you finally heard it and, and realized the mechanics of it? Um, I do remember being slightly frustrated by it, just because just trying to figure out how to make a sound with it. I mean, it's you know you take the bow and you you bring you, you draw it across the string, but I remember just like. I don't know, getting frustrated with it. I remember my mom was like, you know, it's okay. You know, just... It's not like the piano, you know. You can yeah. hit that piano and get a perfect tone. Yeah, I think that was it. It was just hard to get that sound. And then, I don't know, just knowing how to, like, press the string down enough to get a note and understanding the coordination. Like, okay, if I want that note to sound, I have to, like, bow on the string <laughs> at the same time I'm pressing the note <laughs> down. You know, just, like, getting that coordination together. Did you, did you show promise in it right away? Were the, the teachers impressed? Well, actually, my I did have a teacher that, um, Mrs. Hosenberg, she actually passed when I was a sophomore in high school, but she actually 
I think I was just so excited about it, and she actually did get me um, a, a little scholarship when I was first starting out, but it was like Suzuki, and my mom was just like kind of the anti-parent, so Suzuki <laughs> method did not work at <laughs> That's all. That's very disciplined, right, isn't it? Well, it's just your parents have to be involved. Oh, really? You know, they have to, yeah, they usually, you know, they come to your lesson, and the, the teacher will talk to your, you know, parent about how to, like, practice at home or blah, 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 but yeah. she just wasn't really into that at all so that didn't really last that long so i didn't take lessons again until about sophomore it's pretty tenacious to continue without that that sort of support somehow you there must have been something inside you that really really pushed for this to happen yeah i i think it was really i think it was the orchestra aspect of it just playing with people and I don't know. Sometimes I think about that, too, because, yeah, my mom actually at the end of the day wasn't very supportive of it. But I don't know. I just I think it was just the really the social aspect of being in this orchestra <laughs> or just being a part of this. Were you a shy thing. kid otherwise? Or? Yeah, I was. But I think it was just being a part of this thing that's like making music or making a sound, this bigger sound, being a part of this this organism that's like making a bigger Thing there's some there's something sensual just about being hit with that wind of a, of an orchestra you know you know full full on blowing or whatever yeah. and then I was also really interested in being a conductor for a long time too like I just thought that was cool like just to be standing up there and like had you seen conductors that impressed you or um just I mean just my you know my elementary school conductor nothing really <laughs> you know no one really prestigious at the time but just. I don't know, it just seems cool that they knew how to put the music together. And I remember for a long time, you know, wanting to do that. And actually, I did do that for a job for a while. I was a middle school, high school orchestra director. <laughs> uh, where was that at? Um, University of Chicago Laboratory School. Oh, sure. Yeah, I did that for about eight years, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. How were the kids? Um, They were good. They were pretty good. How old were they? Um, fifth through high school. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. The hard part about that job was that each, it was great because um, the school really wanted all the kids to get music, but then they had these grade level orchestras. So it's like, even if you were super talented, like fifth grader, you had to be in the fifth grade orchestra where kids are like, this is a bow and, you know, this is an, you know, so it was kind of hard to kind of like grow the program in a way. So that was a little frustrating, but it was fun. I mean, it's, it was cool to be on that other side because I remember being that, you know, that fifth grader that was like so excited about the cello, and, like to, <laughs> to, to be working on the other side and like showing these kids, you know, working out of actually the same strings book that I worked out of. It was just kind of, it was kind of funny. Oh, that's great. So. Let's go into a little music and we'll come back and talk more. We're going to play something from uh, Nicole Mitchell's work with the, uh, the Black Earth Strings, which features uh, Tamika on the cello with Renee Baker on violin and viola, Josh Abrams on bass and jimbri, and uh, Shirazette uh, Tinnan on yes. drums and percussion. Uh, we're going to hear the song Wade here. Um, uh, tell, me, tell me for a minute about uh, playing in the Black Earth Strings. Well, it's nice to have a, a string showcase uh, for... Uh, for jazz. Yeah, um, it's been really fun. Um, I was really excited when Nicole decided to have that project of, of strings because I just, I'm, I love strings and improvised music, strings and jazz. So, um, yeah, it was mostly a vehicle for her compositions and arrangements, like, because this is a weight as a, you know, spiritual. But um, it's been fun just to have that space to explore improvisation. Mm. 
Nicole Mitchell really seems like uh, she was an important part of your uh, arrival in Chicago. I I really wanted to move to Chicago, I think, after a couple of visits. Like one time my family was going to move to Texas and we took a train through oh, Chicago. Really? And I was like, this place is great. And then I had a high school friend that went to Northwestern and I visited her like summer 96 or something and then I was like I totally want to move here after I graduate but bef- and then two years later I went and um, my sister I think I talked about it so much that my sister went to optometry school there that summer um, I switched places with her and I took her apartment and then I I joined a classical symphony and that's where I met Nicole Mitchell oh okay in the one interview I, I, I read, you mentioned that coming up in the world of classical music, you felt like you were often the only yeah. uh, African-American face exactly. in the orchestra. So, yeah. yeah, joining that orchestra, there was like a few of us there. And I was like, what? I'm totally moving here. <laughs> <laughs> so then, yeah, I think five days after graduation I, in 2000, I just I moved to Chicago. Then she, you know, she's like, why don't you come? You know, if you come, you can come, you know, play and uh, my band and then my oh, mentor before I left was like you know when you go to Chicago you know play as much as you can just play in as many different you know playing situations and never turn down a gig so I was like okay what, what were your impressions of her when you when you first met her I, I met her briefly uh, for an interview that, that aired here in the past year and uh, I couldn't have been more delighted she had such a, a wonderful positive energy yeah that, definitely she has a really great positive energy it's like she sees the goodness in everything everything <laughs> so which is good it's a it's a good thing to model yourself after even to think about because, you know, you know, it's great being a musician, but there's a lot of, you know, stuff that happens. It's, it's not the easiest path. It's a very fulfilling one, but it's it's a it's not the easiest path. So it's like just her example of really seeing the positivity in everything. She's definitely a super hard worker and a very creative soul. So that was really good to be around. Yeah, we've we've been. Uh, blessed to uh, be able to partake of her gift here quite a bit. We've, yeah. we've kept up with all of her releases that we can, can yeah. track down. An amazing talent. Yeah, yeah, just very always trying to push boundaries and not taking no from people or from situations. Like, you know, just really going for it. And I feel like that's one of the things, too. You know, coming to Chicago, like I said, I came for these other reasons, but I could, I don't know, most people from D.C., I feel like they come, they go to Philly or they go to New York or they go to Boston. They're like, you're going to Chicago? Why are you going to the Midwest? But <laughs> I feel like I could have made a, really a better decision, I think, personally and musically. Yeah, it's, it's something that we, we were talking about on, on the way in, uh, is uh, what, a, what an incredible town Chicago has been for jazz. I just finished uh, reading George Lewis's book on the AACM, A Power Stronger Than Itself. Than itself. Yeah. yeah. And it, it really reminded me of how the you know, the, the 70s were really energized by the, the, the musicians that came bursting mm-hmm. out of that scene. But it's continued on and on. I'm a big fan of the Delmark label. And the, mm-hmm. they've released uh, records you know, featuring Corey Wilkes and, and uh, a whole younger generation of AACM musicians that uh, have been uh, fant- fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 been a it was a it's been a really great experience and I, yeah it's it's been great that I went there especially being under like a female working with other female um, musicians and females in leadership roles. I'm not sure if that's very common in the jazz experience, especially as a female musician. It's like it's usually not common enough anywhere. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and um. You know, and I mean, nothing wrong with having male mentors, but it was, I think it's really something special to have uh, female mentors in this particular music. Sure, um, sure. And just, you know, 
seeing seeing the challenges that they're going through or them sharing with you their experiences or kind of guiding you or giving you tips about different things. So just like working with Nicole Mitchell and D. Alexander particularly. Yeah. Um, when I think back, like, wow, I, I made that decision to move to Chicago. I wasn't really thinking about that because, again, I, I went to get my master's in classical cello still, um, but just kind of falling into the scene and, and being around these really strong creative women that are like not just you know Dee Alexander's not just a vocalist you know she's a really amazing improviser and a composer you know Nikki's not just a just a flute player but she's also an improviser and a composer you know just being close to that is, yeah. has been a really special experience yeah it's something I, I I'm not sure I quite picked picked up on but she said like oh yeah I, I wouldn't put together a band without you know having half women mm-hmm. uh in, in, the, in the band and uh uh, that's really great, and it's something that really marks, I think, the the, the music from the last 15 years or so. Is there's a, been a, been a, a wonderful rise of uh, women acts that have really found ground uh, yeah. in the music. Yeah, especially I think it's really exciting too with the AACM. A lot of the women in that organization are doing a lot of really amazing things, and you know, getting their music out there, which is awesome. Yeah, I'm also a longtime fan of uh, Mina Claudine Myers, mm-hmm. uh, who came out of the ACM, an incredibly powerful uh, force on the piano and as a composer as well. Yeah. Um, what, so you actually came to be a, uh, what would you call it, a cabinet holder, a title holder <laughs> in the AACM yeah. uh, in a time with Mike Reed and, yeah. and, uh, and uh, Nicole as well. Yeah. What, what, what was it like to uh, fr- you know, be up front in such a prestigious uh, institution? It was kind of surreal because, again, you know, I didn't come to Chicago thinking about these things, so just kind of being falling into these different things has been pretty awesome. Like, yeah, I think the ACM, my house was the ACM office for a while, so it's like, <laughs> what? This, like, super, you know, world-renowned organization is has their office in my house. That's pretty cool. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was a cool experience. I think I was I was a treasurer for about a year, a year and a half or something like that. Yeah. Um, it was it was kind of tough because I had just started um, I had just started my doctoral degree or whatever at the same time and so I was just was, like commuting was, and like doing all this stuff and like trying to be treasurer and like playing gigs it was a little bit too much so I kind of what, had what to, was your thesis on I read I read that I haven't were, finished I have uh, not finished that's gonna that's this semester <laughs> I'm, I'm like claiming that it's just I've been traveling so much so it's yeah like, you've been busy for yeah, sure yeah and I've and I've tried I was like trying to do my paper. Like on t- this one tour, and I dropped my laptop and it broke. And <laughs> so it's like, okay, you cannot write. Your Can you give us a hint on, on what your paper's about? It's, it's a music. It's yeah, it's just uh, it's just about um, basically jazz articulations on cello, like how to do that. You would be the person to come with that, come to for that information. I, I, I guess, yeah. But basically, I'm just doing a bunch of transcriptions and just showing how you can. Basically, do it on the cello. I really wanted to do something like Abdullah, dude, but uh, yeah. So it's cool. It's gonna happen. I'm claiming it. Great, great. I don't want to turn up the pressure. I've had a lot of friends who have gone through uh, this experience, and yeah. I, I know it's it's grueling to, to get yeah. through. Yeah, it's it's only hard really because in the past, like I did my prelims, I think in 2012, and then um, I did a residency, an awesome residency in Santa Monica, California. 
And then I came back and did a residency at the University of Chicago, and you couldn't be enrolled. So then I was like, okay, I'll do it. Like, I can start it in 14. But then I've just, it's been really awesome, but it's just, I've been traveling a bunch, so it's been hard to kind of like sit down and go to the library and write your paper. <laughs> but I mean, I have 100 pages, so it's cool. I'm almost done. It's just like I just got to tweak it and. Ah, you know, ah. I just gotta, I just got to get it done. It's cool. Uh, you, you have the same attitude just about everybody I know that's in the midst of doing their thesis has. Yeah. They, they feel, you know, defensive yeah. about where they're at right now at, yeah. at all times, it yeah. seems. No, but I'm, I'm claiming it. Like I said, I'm claiming it. I'm, I'm claiming it. I'm claiming it. 2016, this is it. With all you've uh, achieved, I have no doubt it's Yeah, I mean, happen. that was the goal last year. I was like, okay, I'm going to put out my first record and I'm going to graduate. But I think that was just too much, yeah. you know, so... One big milestone at a time, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I was very excited uh, when I came and saw you uh, play at the Art Alliance uh, uh, a couple weeks back in uh, in Philadelphia. To, I'm always excited to check out the merch table because it's it's hard to get your hands on uh, on discs some, sometimes. And I was excited to see something I didn't know existed. This uh, record you did as a, a soundtrack to a documentary on a, a Chicago art movement. Uh, the, the documentary is called Harry Who and the Soundtrack Imagists. And uh, you do the soundtrack mainly with you and uh, the percussionist Adam Vida. Vida. It's Vida. Yeah. And there's a couple uh, nice uh, vocals from uh, Kiara Lanier. Yeah, Kiara. Kiara Lanier. Kiara Lanier. Lanier. Thank you. you, you <laughs> the immersion French really paid <laughs> off for you. <laughs> uh, so how did this project uh, come around? I think they actually heard some Here and Now tracks, and then they just, um, John Corbett, I'm not sure if you're familiar with yeah, him, but, yeah. um, and this P Pentimenti Productions, they approached me and asked if I would be interested in um, writing some music for it, and it was it was a pretty interesting experience, because like that track you played from the record Etoile, that's actually my mom's name in French, so it's like usually I'm writing pieces about people or did you one about your your grandmother yeah did, I did something well? about my grandmother or did one about my mom i did one you know a tribute to billy bang i have a piece written to abdul Wadi. you know just another different. another big man on the show billy bang we yeah. play a lot of him here but this one they just gave me words and like moody or like alien or they just gave me words and so i just would come up with uh pieces that or it just came up with like little samples to fit the words yeah as soundtracks often are there's a lot of uh, shorter sort of yeah know. but i never saw the film or anything so i just came up with the <laughs> the music and i guess it just worked and they were super happy with it and then at the end you know i finally got to see the film i was like oh that's how they used it because i just didn't i didn't i just i'd never written for a film before so i just thought you would you know you'd have the film and then you would like you know, I, in my mind, they'd be playing like, behind you in a yeah, big studio. Like, da, 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 da. like it's gonna go that, do that, this part, and then they're like, and then I, it didn't happen that way. So I was like, oh, okay, but it was cool. It was a different uh, process. Yeah, yeah, it really takes advantage of uh, of a lot of your your talents, and even cropping up in there is uh, one of one of your big strengths as a musician. In 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 my humble estimation, is your great gift for melody. Oh. Um, uh, I don't know what the, I, I don't know if a, a, a songwriter can really even sort of discuss that idea. But but, but where do you and melody exist together? Uh, I don't <laughs> In a spectral know. embrace above uh, above the planet. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, you're really gifted. But let's let's hear an example of of uh, Ms. Reed's beautiful gift with melodies. It's uh, the cut that. Uh, 
uh, is one of the th- main themes of the film. Harry Hu in the Chicago Imagist. Uh, this is the Imagist theme revised, and this does feature the uh, the vocals of uh, someone whose name I can almost say. Yeah, Kiara Ki- Lanier. Beautiful singer. Go through questions online that have come in uh, over uh, over the computer for uh, Tamika Reed. I, I I ran through a bunch of them there. Have you ever played the bass? Um, a little bit. Uh, when I was a definitely when I was an orchestra director, I had to teach all the orchestral strings. So I actually can play some Bach on the bass, which is kind of funny. But um, I don't play it regularly. I keep I have I recently got a bass because I thought about I really love the bass. So I thought about oh I should maybe just practice it more regularly yeah um, but you know what i just had an experience of for this we just played at roulette and in philly and i had to borrow a bass and i was just carrying it around new york and i was like you know what i'm really glad i played the cello because this thing is heavy <laughs> but um and i play some electric bass i've played a little bit of electric bass in some bands but yeah, yeah. uh with with cello uh it, it, uh uh, bringing that tone, you know, up a, what, what would that be, uh, a few keys or whatever, just the tone of the cello compared to the uh, the tone of the bass. Uh, it has much more of a voice-like quality, and you, you play so wonderful, you know, plucking pizzicato on the bass as well as is arco that... Uh, that uh, uh, it's such a versatile instrument in your hands, and uh, I mean, I always think it's a, it's cool when people say, "Oh, is that are you, you know, was that a bass playing or is that cello?" I think that's a cool compliment. Um, yeah, but yeah, I love the cello because it is super versatile. You know, it can be, it can. You know, I I I have sub subbed for basses in some ensembles, and but then you can also be a lead instrument, and then. You know, you can be a part of the harmonic fabric that's what's going on. And I like to think of, actually, I like to think of my comping, especially as like a percussion. Like, I like to be a part of creating like this percolating under the rhythm. Yeah, yeah, I really yeah. like, I really love that a lot. And yet when you, when you, when you do, you know, play with a bow, you, you, you do have such a gift with melody that it, that it's, uh, you know, you got all the bass. You get, you've, uh, you got too many weapons to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> at your well, disposal. I, I You're a very think, dangerous woman. Well, I, I just think that's the <laughs> the beauty of the cello because it is just so versatile. You can, you know, really do what you want with it. You know, it can go in so many different directions. You don't have to be locked into being just a bassist. You know, you can do all this. And nothing's wrong with that, but I'm just saying, you know, it yeah. can. you can go into these different roles. And actually, um, I, I think you might play a cup by D-, D. Alexander, but that's one of the fun parts in that ensemble because we do have an upright basis, but like sometimes I carry the bass line and he can feel free to explore, you know, just doing comping or just doing a different thing. So it's kind of, I think that's what, one of the really fun things about that group because sometimes... You can sort of switch off. Yeah, and... sometimes he plays the bass line, sometimes I, and I come up with some comp, rhythmic comp figure or vice versa. So it, it just kind of, 
it keeps you engaged. You don't feel like you're stuck in this role of I do this thing. You know, you can do lots of things. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the cool part, I think, just about all the groups I've played in, in Chicago, especially. I just feel like no one is, or being a part of the ACM, it's like find your own voice. You're not locked into this thing because you play this instrument and it's usually used in this way. It's like, no, find your own way and like create you know, different interactions. Uh, the cellos, uh, it seems like it sort of appeared intermittently in, 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 the, in the music's history. Do you, do you have any cello uh, players that you admire that have... Uh... Um, I would definitely say um, Abdul Adu is definitely one of my definite favorites. <laughs> I said definitely how many times there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love him a lot. He's, he's great. He and made some great records with Julius Hemphill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, played yeah. a lot with Julius Hemphill. I love uh, Kalo Scott. I feel like a lot of people aren't familiar with him, but he's great. And Munir Fennell. Um, who else? Akua Dixon. Uh, Deirdre Mur- Murray, of course. You know, um, who else? Fred Lumbercombe. You know, he's another, he's a cellist in Chicago currently. Yeah, definitely. We have a, a duo together. Oh, really? Yeah, so it's a lot of a lot of great cellists out there. Um, without, you know, with every, and everyone has their kind of their own, you know, spin on things. Yeah. It makes it really exciting because you're like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't have thought of that or, you know. It'd be nice if your success opened to open the doors for, for us to hear more cello. Yeah, that's the goal. We got to get the cello out of that miscellaneous <laughs> category. <laughs> yeah, but I just hope that more string players just i mean because cello and jazz isn't really that isn't new you know i mean oscar petterford and sam jones you know they were doing that i think it'd be cool if more string players felt that this is a space that they can occupy you know because i feel like again you know when you, you typically when you're playing a string instrument you know beyond high school it's like you're just geared towards like or if you're going to school i mean um you know you're kind of like going the orchestral direction and then you you know you're told like there's only one seat and 500 people are applying for that and you know you know and none of you are going to ever be soloists you know and it's just like that that kind of like takes the fire out of a lot of just players in general so it's kind of nice for, especially for string players if they can say you know this is something else that they can do it's it's yeah. great to be versatile and it allows you to have other musical experiences that for me i found to be personally very fulfilling you know and have you know allowed me to travel and and do other things and meet other people and to grow not only musically but personally so it's like i really enjoy i'm really grateful that i came into this world of improvisation i just it'd be great if there were more string players like i i I love that (laughs) yeah yeah i've always had a a special spot in my heart for you know leroy jenkins yeah uh, And uh, Michael White right. and uh, Stuff Smith and, and and all those violinists that have come through jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, so it, it seems like such a different mindset on uh, being a classical musician, where you're devoted to you know accurately portraying with passion the yeah. you know the the ideas of the great composers, and it, it seems like a completely different world to carve out a, a space for yourself as a freelance cellist to. Uh, to play, uh, could you imagine going back into the classical world seriously? Or, um, I mean, I still do some play some classical music. I mean, I still try to keep my chops up with that, just because I feel like it helps my improvisation as well. Um, I really love um, chamber music, so I love playing string quartets and things like that. So I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't close the door to it, but I just I do find that uh, I like the freedom, or I like the flexibility of playing and 
ensembles where there's more improvisation, like sometimes I feel like, oh, it has, to, you know, when you're when you do get in those settings, you're like, oh, it's it's this thing, and you know, but there's um, a there must be a real confidence level to to really stepping out and and uh, you know staking your claim uh, as a as a soloist uh, in that position. I do feel like improvising has actually I think helped my my classical playing because you have to just you know you're just kind of going for ideas and so I, I I would say I feel less shy or less uncon unconfident when I do play classical I mean, now I'm just like I just I feel like when I do go into these sometimes I do like um quartet reading sessions just with friends and I can see the classical players their whole like oh my god I missed this note where I'm just like ah who cares it's like we're just having fun and I feel like because of this it's made me like totally more relaxed in that world so it's just like I can just go and just play and have fun whereas I and not be worried you know I don't know there's just this weird classical vibe sometimes that happens I mean there's a vibe that can happen in jazz for sure <laughs> but um, just in my experience with I don't know. It's just sometimes it can. This, there's just a different kind of uptightness that I'm just like, oh, I don't miss that at all. Yeah, uh, it really. I mean, it may, maybe it's not as divided as I imagine, but it, it really seems like it, it pulls from a whole different sort of mindset. I, I've have a neighbor who's a, a classical violinist with the orchestra and stuff, and it's very interesting to hear uh, her discussions of the dynamics of the orchestra and and. Uh, yeah. Well, because it's like you don't, you can't make mistakes. I mean, not that you want to make mistakes but it's like you really can't make mistakes like people have I think just such judgments about that whereas like that's the beauty about improvisation it's like you might make a, mis a quote unquote mistake but yeah. then you might discover this new sound on your instrument because of that mistake there's not and, such a sense of correctness yeah yeah. Um, yeah it's like yeah you find the mistakes is what makes the tension and you know or maybe or maybe you may like oh I made that thing and I don't want to do that again but <laughs> At least you have more of that space to do that, whereas I, it's it's not as rigid. I feel. Yeah, I just read Herbie Hancock's uh, autobiography, and he talked about playing on stage with Miles in uh, Europe pretty early on when they were together, and Herbie hit exactly the wrong note, just a profoundly wrong note, mm -hmm. and Miles uh, played something back that that brought that whole note into into context, mm -hmm. and he, for him that was like a, a single sort of transcendent musical experience that he still remembered years and years later. Whereas yeah. if you do that in an orchestra setting, people are just going to look at you like, what is your problem? Why is your bow going this direction? Like, yeah, an unambiguous know, failure if you do that yeah, in, the, the, so. in the classical world. Yeah, so. Uh, so so uh, let, let's hear... Uh, Let's hear another cut of, of you playing as much as I'm enjoying talking to you. Um, uh, I was uh, not familiar with uh, Dee Alexander and her Evolution Ensemble is, is uh, the title of this one from 2013. What's, what's, her, uh, what's your experience with her? What's her background? Oh, Dee Alexander is an amazing, amazing uh, vocalist and composer. And she's um, out of Chicago. Yeah, right? out of Chicago. She's also a member of the AACM. She's been singing for many, many years. Um, definitely one of Chicago's like top jazz vocalists. I can't remember. Let's see. I think you're going to play Truth. Is that what yes, you're yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, it, yeah, she's just been very supportive and just, just. I still was getting into improv when, when she invited me, improvisation when she um, invited me to join her group. And she's just like, you know, in time when you feel comfortable, you know, just play as much as or as less as you like. So it's been a very, I don't know, just welcoming, you know, just. She's a very powerful presence too. Oh, her. yeah, yeah. Her, her her talents are are big oh yeah she's yeah. she's just a really beautiful person all around great well, let's, let's hear a truth from d alexander and the uh, evolution ensemble featuring 
our guest here today in the studio, Tamika Reed, the cellist.
Some beautiful music there from D. Alexander and uh, the Evolution Ensemble from the album Sketches of Light came out on the Aegea label in 2013. That is the tune Truth. And we heard uh, the cellist uh, Tamika Reed playing along there, who was our guest this, uh, this afternoon. I, I know it's difficult often for artists to listen to themselves play, but uh, he, he did seem to enjoy to hear Miss Alexander singing there. It just brought back some memories of when we were we did that recording in Umbria, uh, in, in Italy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it was just a special time because we I think we were there I don't know a week. Or this was something. recorded in Italy. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, in this church, it was it was cool, and I remember us like having to time it because then these bells would go off <laughs> or something. So. <laughs> but yeah, it just made me smile and think about that time. It was fun. You've got to do, do a lot of traveling uh, as a musician. Uh. Yeah, re- and recently for sure. It's been really awesome. Where have you, were you in Poland, did I hear? Yeah, I was in Poland this year, in Portugal, in Germany, in Seattle, in France. Any place you particularly enjoyed traveling to? Oh. Outside of the country? Yeah, I mean, I had a really great time doing the, that Braxton. Braxton had his, celebrated his 70th birthday in Amsterdam, and that was super fun. Oh, wow. That was, that was in June. Is that, did you rec- no, that was in June. You did record with Braxton on his first opera, I believe, you played Yeah, yeah. Bo- Bo- well, I'm not sure. I can't remember which Trillium it was, but definitely the one in 2010. Trillium 3, I think? Yeah, the one in 2010 and then this recent one in 2014. But, yeah, that was a super fun time. And Where was that at? In Amsterdam. In Amsterdam. Yeah. 
that was great. And then I'd never been to Portugal before, and that was fun working with the students there. There was a large string uh, section there that we got to work with improv with the with the string students. So that was super fun. Uh, I played in Taylor Hobynum's quintet um, there as well. But yeah, it's, it's been fun. What's what's Anthony Braxton like to work with? He's a another giant who we've we've heard much over the years from. I mean, he's super sweet, very intense, um, just super, you just, I don't know, just every time I work with him, I'm just like, wow, like, he's such a genius. Like, how does he come (laughs) up with these ideas? You know, it's just, it's just really amazing um, playing his music. Is there, is there anybody you you dream to work with that you haven't worked with yet? Oh, no, let me think. I mean, there's so many. I mean, definitely some of the elders in the AACM that are in New York. It would be cool to work with them. Who would that Oliver be? Oliver Lake would be a cool person uh, to work with. Oliver Lake's been uh, on the go here lately. He's been playing in Philadelphia pretty frequently, and yeah. uh, he's he's been very active right now. Wonder, wonderful player. Yeah. There's there's so many. I mean, <laughs> so many people. Do do you uh, still listen to a lot of music outside of uh, what's considered the jazz realm? I always feel I always feel a little intimidated using the word jazz yeah, yeah. with musicians because uh, a lot of people have a real a lot of musicians in particular seem to have a real negative uh, connotation. What's your relationship to the word jazz? I I don't really have. I don't really have a big <laughs> stand, stand to make. On. No, not really. I mean, maybe I should, and I apologize if I should. But <laughs> let's talk about. Uh, I do have queued up uh, uh, one more cut from your your debut. Let's talk about the band that you put together for that, because it really is a, a real special conglomeration of people. Yeah. Uh, particularly, this show has been a big fan of of Mary Halverson, the guitar player, and it was really wonderful to see you two lock eyes and uh, join together uh, playing. Uh, with the band when I when I caught you back at the Art Alliance in Philadelphia. So tell me about the, the, the people in this band and how you came to put them together. Well, um, I first played with Mary and Toma as a part of Mike Reed's Living by Lanterns. And I think there I felt like, ooh, let's see, what happened? We did the we did the set for the Chicago Jazz Festival, and then right after that, we did some smaller group settings. And so I got to play in a small ensemble with Toma and Nick Butcher. Um, and we just had a really good relate, like musical relationship there. So it was like, that was great. And then within Living by Lanterns, um, me and Mary often had some, some passages together or just some improvising sections together. And that was a really good connection. And so when I was talking to, um, Mike Reed, when I was like, okay, it's time. Like, I really need to like do you know just put this music out there you know um i was asking him his opinion about like you know i told him the instrumentation i wanted and i was like you know who do you think i should get and he's like oh why don't you ask mary and toma you've played with them you know in um living by lantern you know you you have a good connection with both of them and you know it would be kind of fun to have a half chicago half new york band as well so um it was really kind of through his suggestion about um really kind of solidifying that lineup because i knew that i wanted to have that instrumentation but i was like how you know um i had been working with some people in chicago but i don't know i just wanted to figure out something else and so it was kind of through his suggestion that this particular lineup um worked out and then you know, both Mary, Jason Rebke, who's a great, you know, bass player in Chicago, you know, I had worked with him just a little while before, and I really enjoyed his playing and his energy, and so then when I just put them all, when we got all together, it was like, 
it was a really great musical connection. Everybody seemed really excited to play with each other and were really open and respectful. And um, I just felt comfortable with them. So, yeah, it's, it's a really, you know, they're not only just super, I tell people, you know, they're not just great musicians, but they're really awesome human beings. And so that's that makes it even better. You know, it's like they're really wonderful people to work with. And I feel really fortunate. That's great. I, I heard you mention that... Uh in your mind, you sort of hear it as a a breakdown between the, you and Jason coming together with with Mary and uh, and uh, Tomas. The uh, Toma, the, Toma, Toma. Sorry, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I always love it when there's musicians here that can tell me how to actually correctly pronounce all the names <laughs> I announce on Toma, the air. Toma, you are Toma. <laughs> Thank God you weren't here for the the, the Malachi uh, uh, faux pas. Uh, <laughs> oh Malachi. no, Malachi! Oh no. <laughs> Like, oh man! Still cringe thinking Whoa. about. Did I just say that? Um, but uh, but you said yeah that that it's, uh, you talked about that the, they come together as landscapes as well. But you, you and Jason from Chicago and, and Mary and and Toma from Toma Toma Toma. <laughs> <laughs> Mary That's okay, and Toma. people spell my name wrong like all the time. Oh, our, it's R E I D. If well, you're, and then if you're it's T O M E K A, but it's like people spell it T A M E K A or T A. M-I-K-A or T-O-M-I-K-A. But in in your mind, you imagine those are the two forces that are sort of joining in the band? Um, I mean, again, it wasn't something I particularly was going for, but Mm -hmm. when you think on it, it's like that is what's kind of happening, and it's kind of nice to have these two really great scenes merging together to... to create this this sound, so... Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a... Quite an engaging sound. This is one of those records that uh, you know I, I've had the, the the phone lines light up when I play it, and uh, it's really gotten a great reaction. It, you know, it, it parties at the house. Um, uh, so let's hear one more cut from uh, Tamika Reed's debut with her quartet. It's again featuring Mary Halverson on the guitar, uh, Toma Fujimara, uh, Fujiwara, forever pronounced correctly from now on from from these lips, and uh, Jason Repke on the bass. And we're going to hear. The tune Woodlawn, which uh, is uh, is based on a, a place you know, huh? Yeah, that's where I live, actually, in Chicago. In Chicago, what's the Woodlawn neighborhood like? Um, it's a. I think I feel like it's kind of an underrated neighborhood. I mean, a lot of people know Bronzeville. They know they know Hyde Park, but they don't always know Woodlawn. So, what's uh, what's what stands out about Woodlawn? Nothing really. It's just a nice neighborhood. I, I, I just. I mean, it's kind of a side topic, but I just feel like a lot of times Chicago gets a bad rep for you know just all this gun violence or just all this violence and it's like it's all the horrible side. things going on with the public schools there yeah, is and, it? And, yeah. and just things about the south side just have a lot of negativity and i just feel like it's such a nice place to live i mean I'm, there's dicey parts in every city everywhere and i just feel like this is going to be my little shout out to my neighborhood because i like it it's it's a pretty neighborhood and there are really warm people there that say hello to you on the street more than they do on the north side of Chicago. But, um, yeah, I just feel like south side often gets a bad rep, so I feel like if I can do my part to, you know, show my appreciation or just to give them a little shout-out, give them give them some love.
uh, Tamika Reed Quartet uh, from their debut. That is Woodlawn, named heir to the Woodlawn neighborhood. And I'm here with Tamika Reed. Uh, we're going to wrap things up uh, in this last segment of the interview here. Thank you so much for uh, coming out and speaking to us. It's been such a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. I was, uh, as I was uh, doing research for the show, I, I, I saw uh, this piece that was printed just last month in the New York Times. A new, I want to make sure I got this quote right, a new jazz power source. <laughs> Uh, and you've uh, been on this trip to the East Coast. When, when did you get here? In the beginning of January? I got here January 1st. Oh, yeah. wow. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, to, to get press like that in, in uh, the paper of record, yeah. the New York Times, and to be hitting town, uh, you also had a bunch of gigs lined up. You've played in all sorts of situations for yeah. the past uh, yeah, I just, couple weeks. Yeah, that that was a super awesome way to <laughs> start the year, for sure. <laughs> um, um, I played... With uh, Matt Swift, who's a part of that string trio playing uh, here and now, we played mm-hmm. for the Arts for Arts on the fifth, and then we played at Roulette, and then the quartet played at Roulette. Um, How have the shows uh, gone over with the quartet? Oh, really well. Yeah, we had a really great audience at Roulette, and then Philly was sold out. Um, NPR did a, a real nice piece on you in Fresh yeah, Air, which yeah, is yeah, out of Philly fall, as well. Yeah, earlier in the fall, and then I did a. Um, uh, a trio set with uh, Jason Huang, who's another great violinist that I wanted, I've been wanting to play with more, and um, Anders Nilsson on guitar. And then I played, a, went to New Haven and did a um, a duo set with uh, Jamie Branch, a really great trumpet player that's based in Brooklyn now. And then we did another set with uh, Carl Testo on bass and Taylor Hobynum. They joined us. Then I stayed in New Haven and did a great uh, uh, session with Taylor Hobynum. He put together a really great big band of some awesome people. We recorded and did a live recording slash concert. Then I played again. And then I did a, a session, actually, with uh, Nicole Mitchell and Mia Masaoka. Uh, and uh, what else? Oh, I played that night with uh, Chad Taylor, Jamie Branch, and Jason Ajemian. And then... I think that was it for the moment. Oh, and then last night I played with, uh, um, I don't want to get his, I think it's Ryan Walker. I just met that drummer and Jason Moran and Matsuna Roberts. And then tonight I'll be doing uh, Andrew Drury's Soup and Sound um, mm-hmm. with uh, Chris Davis and Andrew Drury and uh, J.D. Perrin. And then some. some Baja Delphia? Yeah, Baja Delphia tree. I'm excited to hear what they're, they're going to sound like. <laughs> I've been curious about Mexico City, so I'm like, I want to. I'm, I'm curious to. Have you ever been? To, no, I've never. I've only been to uh, South America, Latin America, like for two days. I went to Brazil for two days to do this this Bridgestone Festival, uh, actually with the Alexander. So I've never really been in that part of the world. I, yeah, Brazil to, is such a fascinating yeah. place as well. But I'd, I'd love to play there just to explore. It just seems, the pictures I see of like Venezuela or Colombia yeah. or Costa Rica, it, sounds, it looks so beautiful. I don't know they, how much jazz they have happening over oh, there. Oh, I think they do. I, 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 I would yeah. imagine there is a, that's in your future. Yeah. I, w- I, would I hope so. Imagine. <laughs> Put it out there. <laughs> Um, uh, there's a there's a history of uh, of uh, members of the AACM moving to uh, to New York. Could you ever imagine yourself uh, living in New York as a? Um, I I could. I mean, I'm super proud to be from Chicago. Well, I mean, I guess I'm from DC originally, but I guess I claim Chicago more um, now. Super proud to be from there. But um, th- it, I think it's cool to kind of explore and um, 
challenge yourself by playing with other musicians. So it's it's not beyond consideration. Um, the jazz world has changed so much, but uh, New York still is a, a place that uh, really has a lot to offer for, yeah. for the music. Yeah. yeah, and then for me, one other appeal would be to be just closer to home. You know, my my family, you know, my folks are getting older, so it'd be nice to be closer to them. Are they still in the D.C. area? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So my what, mom, what do they think of your success? They're they're pretty proud now. Like I think my mom, she like gets it now. But <laughs> <laughs> was it hard to get her attention with your achievements for a while? Or <laughs> well, yeah, I think she just I don't know. She she didn't realize. Like, she, I think she thought I was hanging out, like not going to. I'm like I'm going to a gig. I'm not just hanging out. So. I don't know. But yeah, now I think she's super proud and really happy, and and she's just like, wow, you know, you really this is something you've talked about wanting to do, and you really kept at it, and. She sees what what's been happening, so I think she's I think she's really proud of me, actually, That's which wonderful. is nice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Finally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, thank you so much for again to, uh, coming down to, to Princeton and taking the dinky and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and finally uh, making our way across campus. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's been such a pleasure. Uh, thank you so much for all the music you've made, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, following all, all your travels from, from here on out. Yeah, thank you so much again for having me. I appreciate it. We're going to be as informal as all get out here. Uh, Nicole <laughs> mentioned earlier that she wanted to be a, uh, a DJ. She wanted to do a show, so I'm going to have her queue up the cut six on this. Uh, you got to spin that black wheel on the bottom there. This one? Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, it'll come up and cut six is uh, from the record you made with Nicole Mitchell and Mike Reed from last year, Artifacts. I certainly wanted to get to this as well. Uh, this was, uh, you know, another record uh, high on my list of the great records of the year. You pay tribute to Steve McCall on, on this mm-hmm. cut with, with BK. Uh, did you, was he still around when you were? No. Yeah, he passed away so, yeah. earlier. I was, I'm he? bummed I didn't get to meet, like, you know, Malachi Favors or Fred Hopkins. I think they had all made their transition by the time I went there. Yeah, yeah. But, but uh, gosh, they, you know, they still seem such looming figures with the, mm-hmm. with the legacies they've left behind. Uh, let's hear this one from uh, originally from uh, the, the trio Air with uh, Henry Threadgill and, and, and Fred Hopkins. Uh, and uh, this is BK. Thanks uh, again to Tamika Reed for coming out and uh, all the best. That's it for today's show. Again, thanks to Tamika Reed for making the trek to come and talk to us. Check out her quartet's debut on the Thirsty Eared label. Thanks to WPRB. Again, thanks to Rachel Urbanowitz for her graphic contribution for the logo reboot. 
You can catch past episodes of the Fun to Know podcast at SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can reach us there or reach us at our Gmail address at fundtoknowpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can catch me spinning jazz and beyond Mondays from 11 a.m. till 2 p.m. at WPRB Princeton. Read my film reviews at Falker.com and check back again for more Fun to Know. We're free, I tell you. So wake up. It's time.